NASCAR fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. Welcome to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy as we enter our third season in giving IndyCar fans the latest news and interviews with the major players in the NTT IndyCar series. The biggest news in racing so far in 2023 was the announcement on January 5th that Andretti Global has joined forces with General Motors and Cadillac in a bid to join the Formula One World Championship. GM is one of the largest automotive manufacturers in the world, and this would be the first time a General Motors brand has competed in Formula One. Cadillac is America's iconic luxury brand and would be a great fit to the high-profile, upscale audience in Formula One. Despite the big announcement made by Andretti Global CEO Michael Andretti and General Motors President Mark Royce, there are many Formula One team principals that are creating a variety of obstacles for this entry to gain approval. That will be the subject of this special edition of Pit Pass Indy as we have exclusive interviews with Michael Andretti and, later in the show, his father, 1971 Formula One world champion Mario Andretti. I caught up with both Andrettis in separate interviews for this week's special Formula One edition of Pit Pass Indy. Here is my exclusive interview with Michael Andretti as he answers a variety of questions for Pit Pass Indy. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is a real legend in racing. It's Michael Andretti, one of the leading team owners in IndyCar who made a big announcement last week with Andretti Global joining forces with General Motors to continue a bid for a Formula One team. Michael, it seems like the combination of General Motors and Andretti should be enough to get you to the starting grid for Formula One, but I know that there's always a bit of a challenge in in dealing with uh, F1. Where do things stand at the moment? Well, I, I, what started with our announcement is, you know, we've been working on this for quite a while, but when um, the president of the FIA, Mohammed, made his, his uh, tweet, that you know he was looking to to put out an expression of interest, and that's when we decided we're going to make our announcement because uh, you know that's the first step is that, and once they do they do make the expression of interest, then then we're in competition with other teams, and and then you know we're on our way because that means they're going to do an extra team. So we were very very excited when we saw that, and uh, and then so. Uh, it all came together really nicely, so we're we're uh, we're very excited. We feel like we check all the boxes. Like I've said, you know, the only box that we didn't have checked when we were working on our entry was that we didn't have a, an OEM behind us. But now we have GM and Cadillac, which is so very exciting, and I know they're very excited about it, and and uh, they're going to really uh, bring a lot to the party to help us get a race car on track. So uh, we're 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 very bullish at this moment. You know, there's still a long way to go. We understand and we're willing to follow every procedure that needs to be done by the FIA. And, uh, you know, but, you know, we feel like, uh, you know, we're, we are in a good position for it. And, and I don't know what it's going to say. I don't know if they're going to add just one team or more than one team too. I mean, so, you know, we'll, we'll see, but so I don't know if we're actually in competition with other team or not, but, uh, the whole, the whole idea is that they're, they're going to be putting that out and that once they put the expression of interest out, then that shows that, uh, you know, we're on a way to getting another, at least one team on, on the track. The combined horsepower of the Andretti name, along with General Motors, one of the largest auto manufacturers in the world, it would seem like this would be a slam dunk. So in many ways, are you a little bit surprised by 
the fact that some of the current principles in Formula One are still trying to move the goalpost, as they say? No, I'm not. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. You know, in Formula One, the owners, they, they just they look out for themselves and know what's best for the series. And I think that's, that's the difference between um, President Muhammad's position and, you know, the team owner's position. They're, they're looking out for the future of the sport. And, and uh, so I think Muhammad gets it. He's a racer and he understands that the, the series needs to have at least one or two more teams. And, and so in the end, you know, the FIA, it is an FIA championship. And so, uh, you know, that, that they are holding most of the cards to be able to get the expression of business going. So, you know, obviously there's going to be things that we have to work out with F1 as well. Um, we've talked a lot with Stefano and uh, talking to him, he seems to be in favor. So, you know, hopefully there won't be any problems there. But, uh, but like I said, the first thing is we got to go and make sure we meet every, uh, check every box for the FIA to be able to, to get in the championship. Have you had much discussion with Liberty Media? I would think that a United States-based company that owns Formula One would want to have the Andretti name in Formula One. Well, that's actually Stefano. When I talked about Domenicali, he represents uh, Liberty on that. So, yeah, we've been talking. So he was very happy when we told him about Cadillac. Well, to bring the Cadillac name into the pinnacle of international motorsports, how valuable will that be for not only yourself but also the Cadillac brand? I think it's going to be huge in all. Uh, it's going to be huge all the way around. I think it's going to be huge for uh, Formula One as well. You know, because Formula One is growing so much in the U.S. and not having a U.S. manufacturer, I think is is not a good thing. And now to be able to announce the biggest U.S. manufacturer is entering Formula One, which, by the way, they've never been in Formula One. So, you know, I think that says that's a big thing. For Formula One to to advertise that, you know, so I think it's very big in that way, and and also to have you know an all American team, you know, we're going to have American manufacturer with American team with American drivers, so that that you know I think that's a powerful thing for them to go and sell Formula One in the U.S. Just reading up and doing some research on things that have happened since your announcement, there seems to be a conception out there that Cadillac was simply going to badge the engine, but having been on the Zoom call when you made the announcement, it sounded like General Motors was all in with their technology and their engineering expertise. So how do you address that particular rumor? Uh, It's a rumor. (laughs) It's not truth, you know. Cadillac's going to be very much involved, very much involved in manufacturing of the car. And it's going to have, you know, obviously, you know, when we get in, if we get in in 25, we're not going to have, there's no new engine yet. So we have to go with a current engine that's in the, in the formula right now. Um, but for 26, you know, there's different things that you can do. And, and one thing is, is, is doing a joint deal with another manufacturer, which then will very much not be a badged engine because there will be IP from Cadillac in that engine, you know, so you can't say that Cadillac's not part of that engine. Well, obviously, with the uh, investment that they're going to make, it's very big for the company to go out there and showcase their technology and everything. But in many ways, I know that you said you're not surprised when you look at the F1 paddock that there has been pushback, but why Why are they so concerned about the Andretti name returning to Formula One? It's all about money. <laughs> it's all about money. First, it's the one thing is, you know, they think they're going to get diluted, you know, one-tenth of their of the prize money. But I think the other thing is where they're being very greedy is they think, well, we're going to take all the American sponsors as well, you know, and I think... So I, I, I think it's all about greed and it's all about, you know, looking at themselves and not looking at what's best for the overall of the series. Now, it struck me that one of your biggest assets was your friend uh, at McLaren, CEO Zach Brown, who's been very supportive of your efforts to get a team in Formula One. Uh, there seems to be some social media reports today that McLaren wasn't for it. What? No. I would be surprised at that. So I've I mean, been texting back and forth with Zach today. I mean, we talk all the time, and it's like, no, no, no. He he, he wants to do whatever he can to help us get there. You know, I know you know, and also you know, Alpine's been very good about it as well. So you know, there's two good allies that we have. 
Well, that's why I wanted to give you an opportunity to address that because I I would find that unfathomable as much investment as Zach has made in in uh, helping you and some of your drivers get Formula One opportunities that he wouldn't be supportive of that. So no, no, he's been very supportive. And how how valuable has that support been? You know, it helps. You know, it all helps. You know, it doesn't hurt. But in the end, I mean, you know, the owners can express their opinion. But in the end, you know, they don't make that decision. You know, in the in the Concord in the old Concord agreement, there used to have to be a majority. But I think in the new one, I, I think legally they don't have a right. But uh, you know, the fact that he's been so helpful in helping you do this, and I know that he's been partners with you in other racing ventures. Uh, to have him to be able to be an ally, how important is that for this effort? He's been a great friend and ally. You know, I mean, he, he's he's been there to help, like if for giving me advice or if I have a question, you know, he's there to help. So yeah, I, I, I consider Zach a very good friend and, and a guy that, uh, you know, we help each other, you know, I've been helping him, helped him a lot on this side when they were coming into car racing as well. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a friendship that I think has been able to work both ways. So the process to be able to get on the grid by 2025, you're building a new shop up in Fishers, Indiana, which is on the northeast corner of Indianapolis. Uh, ground just broke for that recently, so that's probably not going to be completed until later this year. But how do you describe just how important that shop is going to be in housing all of your racing interest? Oh, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be one of the most advanced um, racing facilities in the world. And uh, and I don't think it's ever been done where every series that we're going to be racing so many different series in the world is, is housed under one building. So uh, I think it's uh, it's a very, very exciting project. And, and uh, you know, it, it's, I, I can't wait for it to get done for sure, but um, it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to be a big deal for our future for sure. So when did the idea develop in your mind that you wanted to be a Formula One team owner? I want to say probably five, six years ago. You know, I think it was about then, maybe even longer now. Yeah, maybe 2016 or so around then. It's just like, you know, it just felt like, you know, we're ready to go and make that next step for our brand and things like that. So that's when I first started searching for somebody to get behind us because obviously, you know, it's you need huge, huge money to support it. So, uh, you know, we started looking way back then. We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. And now, here's the rest of my exclusive interview with Michael Andretti 
for Pit Pass Indy. 2023 will be the 20th anniversary of Andretti Autosport, which back then was Andretti Green Racing. Prior to that, uh, you purchased what was Team Green. So in 20 years, you've been able to reach this point. Does that surprise you that you've been able to achieve as much as you have in that 20-year period? Yeah, I mean, if you would have asked me back in 2003 that we'd be where we are and where we're headed, I mean, I would have laughed in your face, to be honest with you. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just amazing and, and exciting. And, you know, it's it's like a dream come true for all this, the way it's coming about. So I'm, uh, I, I got to pinch myself every day. And as far, though, as the process, if you were able to get a car onto the Formula One grid for 2025, obviously, as you indicated during the announcement last week, Colton Hurd is the leader in a clubhouse for an American driver in that seat. Uh, do you have sponsorships lined up uh, that w- are ready to to jump on once you get the go ahead? No, not yet. No, no, no. We haven't gone there yet. And how valuable has Project One Thousand One been in this whole process? Because they've been very important in helping you generate the capital that's needed to be able to to make such an investment. Oh, without them, it wouldn't be happening. You know, they become, you know, they're the whole backbone of the whole whole thing, and and. Uh, you know, it's been a fun project with them because they they're just such great people. So we've had a, we we like just have really enjoyed each other's company working through this and getting to this point. So you know, it was just very lucky to be in this situation and blessed. You know, to have friends like them that are just as excited about the program as I am. And like I said, it's been a been a dream. And how difficult has it been to maybe uh, stay focused and block out the noise? Because it seems like with Formula One, there's always outside noise. Exactly right. And that's just, and that's what it is. It's noise. (laughs) You know, you just got to stay focused on your job and just go ahead and not listen to all the naysayers and things like that. You know, you actually use the naysayers as as motivation, you know, (laughs) so uh, it's always fun to shut them up. And also to look at a different direction, uh, this year the Andretti name will return to the Rolex 24 in your new involvement with Wayne Taylor Racing. How exciting is that going to be? Very, very exciting. You know, it's a it's a great team that they have there, and and I think you know the partnership that we have, we're going to be able to really work together and make it even better. And so uh, we're very excited about it. You know, I, I, it was no secret that you know I was saying I want to get into sports car racing and i mean i don't think we can do it with any better team than than them you know and it's been great and how does it feel to one up team penske because if you get the f1 team true penske racing at one time had a formula one program but they don't anymore but you'll have one more key ingredient Uh, they'll have an ascar team but you'll have a formula one team so what's that going to be like compare what rogers team's got to what andretti autosport has well, Roger's just been the mainstay in auto racing for 50, 60 years. I mean, and so if you, anytime you can do anything to be, you know, at the same level as Roger, you've done something right. So, you know, it's an honor to be mentioned in that company. So, you know, yeah, I mean, it, I think it's so cool. I mean, it, you know, that's not our motivation is to try to do more than Roger. It's just the way it's worked out. But in the end, I mean, Roger has done it all. He's been there. Formula One, he's been in NASCAR, he's been in sports cars, he's been everywhere as well, you know, so it's not like we're trying to emulate him, we're just doing our own thing, and it just so happens that at the moment we might have some more, you know, more than what he has, you know, we just at that point now puts pressure, and if we want to do that, we got to make sure we get in NASCAR in a few years. So what is your interest in NASCAR? A couple of years ago, or probably 10, 10 or 15 years ago, you were making a run at a Dodge team mm-hmm. in NASCAR, and that didn't happen. So what is your interest in NASCAR? Oh, we're very much looking at it and monitoring it. We're looking at some situations that hopefully in a couple of years we, we see ourselves hopefully being there. And just making it to the Formula One grid will be an accomplishment, but in many ways, that'll just be the beginning. So how will you look at that? Well, I mean, we're not going into this just saying, oh, we want to just check the boxes just to get into Formula One. No, we're, we're coming in in a serious way. We want to be, you know, down the road. We know it's going to take a long time to get there, but eventually we want to be, you know, racing the the top teams in formula one and you know with the with the backing that i have and, and the resources that we're going to have with the, 
everything we're doing, I, I just think there's no reason why eventually we can't get there. And so, you know, our end goal is to be five, six years down the road, be competing for the world championship. I mean, that's, that's why we're doing it. We're not just doing it to be there. Otherwise, who cares about that? You know, when we get there, we want to, we want to be competing. You know, we want to be competitive and, and we, and you know, you're racing the best in the world. So, you know, the effort that you got to put in, we're not stupid. We're not underestimating that. Um, and we're not underestimating that, you know, oh, it's going to happen right away. No, it's not. It's going to be a long building process, but you know, we feel that, uh, we have a good plan to eventually get us there. Now, switching gears to the IndyCar program, which is your centerpiece program at the moment, as you look at IndyCar 2023, there's some exciting things out there. The 100 Days to Indy docuseries is going to be aired on the CW, and uh, many in IndyCar hope that'll open the door to younger fans to be able to start paying attention to IndyCar. What are your thoughts on that docuseries, especially being able to land it on an over-the-air network such as the cw i i am cautiously optimistic i hope it works you know i mean uh i don't know exactly what how it's going to be done um you know i don't have all the details but you know anytime you can get on a network and and, and hopefully have a good story to tell i hope it you know generates that sort of interest that you know i don't think anybody thought that the netflix series and f1 would do what it did um so you know it's still going to have to come down to that I'm hoping they can catch all the drama and stuff like they do in F1 because that that's what makes the story and that's what makes people want to watch the next week. So, um, you know, hopefully uh, they'll be able to pull off because if they do, I think it'll be great for the series. And because I believe still that when it comes to the actual racing product on the racetrack, I still believe IndyCar is the best product. Your team's going to be a little bit younger this year. Of course, you've got Colton Herta returning, but you also bring Kyle Kirkwood back into the fold, and he showed flashes of brilliance last year when he was at Andretti Autosport. He drove for you in what is now known as the Indy Next Series. Uh, are we going to see some stuff out of Kyle Kirkwood that may surprise a few fans this year? We believe so. We believe in him. You know, he uh, he did a fantastic job for us in the next series, and and he also uh, when he tested for us did a very good job. So we we have high expectations for Kyle. You know, we think he's going to be a major player and a big part of the future of IndyCar. And uh, so yeah, we're making big investments in them. You're also bringing Jamie Chadwick over to the Indy Next Series. How long will it be until the American fans really gravitate and see what she can do behind the wheel of a race car? Hopefully it won't take long. You know, I think she's got a great personality and, and she's quick. You know, um, at the test, she's been, I think the last test, she was second quick. And, and so she's she's starting to get a hold of it. You know, it's the, it's the highest horsepower car she's ever driven. And so, you know, she still has a a lot that she has to get used to and learn the racetracks and things like that. But I think our initial reading on her and feeling on with her is that, you know, she's the real deal and, and, you know, hopefully uh, she'll be on a bunch of podiums this year. And just looking at the big picture of IndyCar, the car count on the starting grid is very impressive. It's getting up around 28 cars for every race. Uh, but it won't be a 2.4 liter engine that begins competition in 2024. It'll be the 2.2, although there will be the hybrid assist component will be part of that package. What are your thoughts on that? Thank God, because did we really need a, a different engine? I mean, nobody knows about it. It's just millions and millions of dollars were going to be spent for what, you know? So I, I think it was the smartest move that IndyCar could make. And I think in the end, I think, Honda and Chevrolet, you know, were for it because, you know, they didn't have to go out and spend all this money on a, on a new engine that really wasn't going to move the dial anywhere for having anybody watch the series any more than they are now. And then how do you feel about the need or lack thereof, possibly, of a new car? Uh, it's the, the 2012 Delora DWO12 has been used since 2012, but in very many different iterations, it doesn't even look like the same car. It's, it's not. And, you know, when it comes down to it, does anybody, I mean, it's funny. We'll take an old show car from 2005 and people, you know, at, a, at an event and people think it's, it's, a real, it's still the real race car. You know, I mean, in the end, you know, the average person watching the race doesn't really know any difference. And so is there a reason why the series would have to 
between all the owners put up another 20 million to have another car out there? I'm not sure, you know, because I don't think that's going to move the needle as well. And your father, Mario Andretti, said he wants to do the first burnout in an Andretti Global Cadillac Formula One car. Will you give him that opportunity? (laughs) I did not hear that. I don't know. We will have to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, wrapping up with Michael Andretti, uh, at 60 years old, a lot of people are thinking about what they'll do when their career is over, but you just seem to be kicking it in the high gear. Have you found the fountain of youth similar to what your father has? I don't know. I mean, I think I think it's important to always have goals and have and have things pushing you, you know, because if you don't, then it, if you don't have a reason to get up in the morning, then then you know things start to fall apart. But it's 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 exciting to always have something new and and, and a new challenge. And and uh, you know, I'm very happy. But hopefully, I have a good 15, 20 years left to put that sort of effort into into this team because you know in the end the team's become my life so uh yeah i am i'm very very lucky to be in this situation you know i had no idea what i was going to do beyond my driving years and i've been very fortunate to have something like the race team to uh you know give me challenges to uh wake up in the morning michael andretti ceo of both andretti global and andretti autosport good luck in your effort to get and Andretti Formula One team together with Cadillac. And also good luck this season in the NTT IndyCar Series and at the end of this month in the Rolex 24 at Daytona. And thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Thank you, Ruth. Getting the Andretti name back on the Formula One starting grid is very important to our next guest. It's racing legend Mario Andretti, the only man in racing history to win the Indianapolis 500, the Daytona 500, and the Formula One World Championship in his legendary racing career. Mario Andretti won the Indianapolis 500 in 1969, the Daytona 500 in 1967, and the Formula One World Championship in 1978. I caught up with the father of Michael Andretti in this exclusive interview for Pit Pass Indy. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is a true racing legend. It is Mario Andretti, the 1969 Indianapolis 500 winner, the multiple-time kart IndyCar national champion, and the 1978 Formula One world champion, Mario, today we're going to talk about Formula One more than we're going to talk about IndyCar because of the big news that came out last week when Andretti Global announced that it had formed a partnership with General Motors and the Cadillac brand to continue its bid for a team in Formula One. Mario, when you connect the name Andretti with one of the world's largest automotive manufacturers like General Motors, this has to be enough to get this bid to the finish line in Formula One? Well, obviously, uh, Bruce, thanks for having me on. I, uh, I certainly hope so because uh, all along they've uh, asked of us to bring something meaningful to the table, and um, I don't think we can do any better than this, quite honestly. I mean, General Motors is giant in the auto industry, as we all know, and uh, they have, uh, throughout their, their time in in business of 112 some years, they've been involved in uh, in motorsports, but they've uh, never been involved in Formula One. So this uh, is quite a historic event, and this speaks volumes, you know, for uh, wanting to be there uh, again. Just to have them on our side and the strength of that of that and the commitment. I mean, uh, I would like to think it should be embraced uh, by the Formula One contingent. Uh, because uh, we all know that the bread and butter for, to uh, uh, all of our series are always manufacturers, and uh, and to have uh, the likes of General Motors with a Cadillac brand uh, wanting to be part of Formula One, I think uh, should be as positive as it can be. I probably should have rephrased the premise uh, about getting to the finish line of the bid for Formula One. It's more like getting to the green flag of the Formula One grid. But when you look at a name like Cadillac and you look at the other engine manufacturers that are involved in Formula One, like Ferrari, like Mercedes-Benz, like a lot of the other great 
automotive brands that compete in Formula One, Cadillac's image has to fit right in because it's a high-performance luxury brand, which is exactly the type of audience that Formula One attracts. That's exactly right. I think uh, that those are the reasons why they want to be involved. Obviously, I think it's uh, it's got to be the appeal to, to that level, uh, to the top level, and uh, they, now they want to be a player, a serious player. And um, and again, to me, that's got to be as welcome as anything. Uh, we're over the moon about this. This brought into uh, brought in a lot of energy into all of us. I. Uh, I don't know when I've been happier, personally. How big of an advocate has FIA President Mohammed Ben Suleiman? Ben Suleiman, yes. Uh, Suleiman been to, to this effort. It's like, he's been fantastic. Uh, he's been uh, totally he understood our uh, goal from the beginning. In so many ways, he encouraged us by not discouraging us. <laughs> and and uh, he was ready to listen. To everything that we're trying to bring to you know to the party, if you will, and um, every step along the way, uh, he, uh, he he's very he like proactive in so many ways, but also he likes to see the sport grow. Uh, I think uh, the FIA is in good hands uh, with a president like that. He and I, when we speak, we speak racer to racer. I love that. You know, he uh, he truly loves the sport. And again, he's been absolutely wonderful with us, uh, solid in every way, and uh, and also very direct is what uh, is important for us to, uh, to to bring to the table. Uh, so again, we're all on the same page there. To have him in your corner is very important. Also, have the uh, automotive horsepower of General Motors is very important. But yet, even if approved, it's probably going to be 2025 or 2026 before there's an entry on the grid. And uh, if you could just maybe describe to our listeners why that process would take so long. Well, that's the part that I totally don't understand, you know, about the process in the sense, you know, uh, why it should take uh, uh, too long once you have the ingredients in place. But, uh, but that's not for us to be able to make that decision. Uh, we have to go by whatever rules are in place, protocol, and so forth. And uh, but I can tell you, we uh, we already started uh, the the machine. The effort is in motion. Uh, it's been in motion, uh, even you know, when a lot of things were not really uh, already committed. So once we get the green light, uh, it's not going to be. We're not going to be starting from zero. Uh, so as far as uh, when we will have a car on the grid, uh, we don't know. We're going to try uh, as hard as we can, you know, uh, uh, to be as soon as very possible. There's going to be an absolute sense of urgency throughout, and that's going to be our modus. That's the, that's the way we're going to operate. And while this team is being planned and while you're waiting to hear back whether the bid gets approved, there's a new race shop being built that's going to house all of the Andretti Global racing operations up on the northeast corner of Indianapolis and Fishers, Indiana. That's another exciting project. And Michael has said when that's finished, it'll be as spectacular a shop as any team has in Formula One. So how important will that be? Well, what that shows is commitment, commitment, long-term commitment to the sport. And that's what you want to see. And that's what, uh, that's what we're trying to, to present. And, uh, okay, so you're going to have a headquarters there, but you're going to have an operation in, in, in the UK to be able to, you know, to be right there in Europe to make it as practical as possible. Uh, so, again, you know, we're, we're, we know where we're going. Uh, the plan is in place. And the commitment is in place, so um, it's, uh, we're just waiting for the formal let's go. When your son was following in your racing footsteps, did you ever dream that he would achieve this type of level in racing to where he would be a team owner, not only in IndyCar, but also in sports cars and Formula One? Well, it's, it's impossible to formulate the future sometimes uh I could have never thought that uh, the sport could have been as good to me as it, as it was when I was uh, still dreaming about even 
beginning to be a, a driver. So, yeah, a lot of things happen, and they're out of uh, passion and desire and uh, ambition. And uh, that's why I'm so so proud of Michael and his partners, you know, for uh, showing the resolve and being relentless in this pursuit. And uh, in the face of some headwinds along the way, but uh, I always said nothing worthwhile is easy in this world, and you have to earn your way wherever you go. That's what makes it worthwhile. We finally accomplish your goals, so uh, that's where we are. And uh, and again, uh, I I could not say enough about uh, Michael and his partners about uh, you know just being solid in their approach to this. So again, all good stuff. And also, this is the 20th anniversary of Andretti Autosport. It was originally Andretti Green Racing. He purchased Barry Green's team back in 2002. And when you look at what has all been accomplished in the last 20 years with Indy 500 wins, with IndyCar championships, with the stars that have been developed in at Andretti Autosport, that's a pretty impressive history. Yes, I think it is, of course. And... Uh... Here again, I think even when he came out of the cockpit, he was still at the top of his game. But uh, his ambition was, uh, which I didn't really know at the time for sure, to be involved in a sport in the long term, which means, you know, in the ownership of team ownership. And he started out as a, a partner, as you said, with Team Green. And then it uh, progressed from there. So as you could see, uh, you know, he's been moving forward. Uh, and the thing that is important is looking at not just the top level, but he's looking at uh, lower disciplines, you know, which is uh, the road to the top. And uh, he's been exemplary in that respect in having, uh, you know, uh, always fielding at least one or two of the series uh, leading up to the top by uh, training future stars. Uh, they aim to do that in Formula One as well. And it, Formula 2 and possibly Formula 3, uh, you know, to give potentially some uh, uh, young stars that, uh, you know, that uh, would have a dream of cultivating uh, their career into Formula 1. Uh, probably be a much easier way to go there with uh, an American team as part of it. So, uh, again, I think it's all part of making the sport healthier, uh, nothing else. I mean, it's a huge investment in every way. But it's all about growth and health in the sport, the sport that we love. It's been our life. How big of an asset has McLaren F1 CEO Zach Brown been on the Formula One bid, helping to maybe do some work behind the scenes on Michael's behalf to try to get this effort approved? Well, Zach Brown uh, is, is a businessman. He's a friend. He understands the big picture, and that's really uh, what you have to look at, you know, as the team members, you don't just look at today. Oh, gosh, you know, we have to split uh, the big pie, you know. You know, you got to look at the big picture. The healthier the sport is, the stronger it is, the better it is for everyone. And um, Zach Brown, one of those that uh, he's uh, accomplished enough, uh, uh, you know, to, to see that side of it. And, uh, you know, he's not doing this as just a favor to us because we're friends. He's doing this because uh, he sees the value uh, that it brings to the to the big picture. You attended several Formula One Grands Prix last year, including at Coda, where you got to drive one of the old McLarens to give yourself a feel of what the modern Formula One car feels like after all the great accomplishments you experienced in Formula One back in the 1970s. But when you're dealing with the Formula One paddock, what has the reaction been like to Mario Andretti involving this bid? Well, in general, the people that I know, the friends that I, know, I, I always feel very much at home. Why not? Always felt that way. And uh, Formula One has been part of my career, my life, a great part of my career. So I, I have friends there and obviously... Uh, you know, some of it, what we're talking about is basically a lot of politics and all that, which uh, I tried to stay clear of. But, you know, I always felt that uh, the sport has been really, really uh, good to us in many ways. And again, you know, and we want to be uh, an asset to the sport, nothing, nothing else, because that's our life. That's what we do. That's what we do. 
Racing is what keeps your blood pumping. And now to have this prospect out there that can happen in the next couple of years, how much has that really reinvigorated Mario Andretti? Big time, because uh, I'm going to make sure that I stay in good shape because I want to be the one to give the first Andretti Global Cadillac the first burnout, you know, when the first test car comes out. So uh, I haven't told the team that yet, but I'm telling you that that's really in the back of my mind. So what's your understanding of what the timetable looks like from here? What is the next step uh, that needs to be done? And how soon do you expect to hear back on this fantastic bid? Yeah, well, I wish I had that information for you. We're just, uh, we're just sitting here waiting uh, and, um, and anxiously waiting. You know, I think it's important. I think it would probably inject, you know, just another dose of energy into it. But other than that, we're we're going. We're still going full speed ahead to make sure that when this happens, you know, we're not just starting from zero. That's all. And then from there, it's going to be in a, a great a sense of urgency to get it done. And um, and as we get down the road, we'll know much better what the schedule could be, and then we'll present that. So. That's the way we are. So in 2023, the United States becomes the first country to host three Formula One contests. Obviously, there's the one in Miami, also the one at Coda. And in November, Thanksgiving weekend will be the absolute blockbuster at Las Vegas. It would only seem to make sense to make bring America's greatest name in racing to be part of an international series that has three contest in the United States. Well, that's, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm just hoping and I would like to think that the giant of the industry, Cadillac, uh, General Motors should be embraced with open arms into Formula One. Uh, like I said, especially since we're going to have uh, such a big presence uh, in this country for the foreseeable future. So um, I think uh, everything is positive. I don't see a negative anywhere. Quite honestly, I don't see how you could see that. And um, so that's, uh, I love to be part of that. Just positive things. I know that you want to be positive, but in some ways, do you feel like they keep moving the goalpost? Well, again, we've checked every box so far. So, uh, you know, uh, we're not pulling back on anything. And, uh, and I, think we're, I think we've come to the table with something very meaningful uh, with General Motors and Cadillac as, uh, as, a, as an engine supplier and, and as a partner. And I don't think we could have done any better than that. And also, how key has Dan Towers at Project 1001 been in helping to generate the, the funding that's required to have a Formula One team? Oh, everything. Like I said, you know, Michael's partners have been phenomenal, you know, and just... Uh, been totally resilient uh, with the maximum resolve in all of this, and uh, and that's what you need. I think all the ingredients on that side are there in place. Uh, couldn't be any better for, for Michael to have uh, uh, friends like that and partners like that. Well, not only were you an icon at Indianapolis, also Monza, Monaco, the great tracks in Formula One, the great tracks in IndyCar, but you were also an icon in Daytona at the Rolex 24. And last month, Andretti Autosport and Andretti Global announced that they're now going to be involved in IMSA and I believe a World Endurance Challenge. So looking at that program, how excited are you to see the team get involved in that form of racing? Well, absolutely. Like I said, uh, Michael wants to touch all the majors in our sport. And uh, you can see that he's aligning himself with um, an icon uh, in the sport with a Taylor group, you know, in, uh, in, in IMSA and then uh, and on to, uh, to Le Mans and all of that, you know, to go to the top level. So uh, you can see that uh, he wants to have his and in in all of it, all of the majors in our in in our industry, and uh, from that standpoint, I mean, I couldn't be any more proud than that for you know as far as Michael's ambition. So for all X twenty four, how many hours can Mario Andretti be part of it? When the green flag drops, are you going to plan on being up for the whole thing, or do you still kind of only if I drive? Only if I drive. <laughs> I'm only only interested in driving. Yeah, I think I know. <laughs> You know, Wayne Taylor, I think he could probably he put me in the seat there, I think. I don't want to bring age into it, but there's been many drivers of 
in latter years that have been able to compete in that race. So that's kind of one of the great things about that race is that it attracts so many different types of drivers. Oh, indeed. No question about it. Yeah. And then uh, nowadays they have four drivers. So it's, uh, it's even from a physical standpoint, it's not a big deal. Now, of course, this is an IndyCar-based show, so I have to ask you a few things about IndyCar. As you look forward to the 2023 NTT IndyCar Series season, there's some new drivers at Andretti Autosport that are coming over, a younger-looking team. How important do you think that is for the team to regain its stature in IndyCar? Huge. Believe me, uh, Michael and I just have been talking about that, and, uh, and there's a lot of things that are happening with the team. You know, to be able to just figure there's many things need to be done better. And they are. They're not just sitting back. Trust me. They want to be, they have to be at the forefront. That's the only reward that you have for all your hard work. So, uh, yeah, uh, a lot has been done, uh, different, better. And, um, and that's all you can do, just as long as you recognize that uh, you need to just do a lot of things that uh, we're lacking, you know, after you uh, examine the situation, you examine the season. So everyone is aware. Trust me. Got to be winning again. One of the new drivers is going to be Kyle Kirkwood, a driver who, in the former Indy Light Series, now known as Indy Next, drove for Andretti Autosport. He showed flashes of brilliance last year when he drove for A.J. Foyt Racing. How much do you think we're going to see him burst upon the scene now that he's with Michael's team. Well, you know, uh, he's certainly welcome and open up with open arms. Uh, you know, um, Michael knows them, knows his, him very well. And uh, after a full season of IndyCar under his belt, uh, obviously, I think that uh, he's pretty, I'm sure that he's ready to put a big W on his uh, repertoire. So uh, I like young talents like that that have demonstrated uh, you know their abilities and and that's the beauty about uh, what's happening in IndyCar right now uh, as far as uh, bright future uh, there's so many young talents that really represent the strength of what the series will uh, be looking for you know in in uh, near and, and uh, you know in the future period and also, there's a talented young female driver that's coming over to drive in the Indy Next Series in 2023, Jamie Chadwick. What do you think American race fans will discover about her when they see her get out on the track? I think they'll be, uh, they'll be surprised and very pleased about her abilities. Trust me, she's, uh, she has shown that already, and uh, there's a lot to look forward to there as well. Now, from the big picture, IndyCar will have a docu-series. It'll be on the CW, which is an actual over-the-air network, America's fifth network. And it's going to be called 100 Days to Indy. And it's going to be geared toward a younger audience, although it's going to be entertaining to anybody who watches it. How valuable do you think that project is? Well, it's information, you know, and, uh, and bringing the sport uh, to the, the inside of the sport to the uh, fans to understand better. You know, look what the uh, Netflix series did to Formula One. It's just, uh, I think it's to have the knowledge, the understanding uh, that um, it's got to be more appealing to the crowd when they look at the real thing, you know, to see the dimension that goes into fielding a team and all of that, all the moving parts um, that go with it and... uh, and how much of a team sport motorsports is, um, and all of these things are interesting aspects. And uh, the more people understand about it, the more they gravitate to it. And as far as IndyCar as a whole, car count on the grid is very impressive. It's getting up to around 28 cars for nearly every race. Still running a, a car that was built in 20. 20- 12, although it's had several different iterations, it's really not the same car that debuted in 2012. It's had different changes that are made to it. In December, they announced that they weren't going to be able to go forward with the 2.4 liter engine. They were going to have the 2.2 liter engine with the hybrid assist component. So what are your thoughts on the actual package? Well, I think you have to progress, you know, and, um, and again, I think that uh, they move uh, the new engine formula another year because of uh, 
certain aspects of logistics and so on and so forth. But uh, nevertheless, you got to keep looking to the future. You got to have plans, and um, you got to look at the, the technology aspect that's uh, interesting at the time. And um, and I think uh, IndyCar is doing that very well at the moment. They're very cautious to make the move that's solid, and that's uh, that's good business to to approach it that way. And as we move forward into the following weekend, you live in Nazareth, Pennsylvania, and the NFL playoffs are starting this weekend. Do you have a strong feeling that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to go all the way this year? I think they've shown that uh, the capability to uh, rise to the occasion. I mean, you never know, but again, as long as they're healthy, I think they have the ingredients there. I mean, it's uh, the team... Uh, it's pretty solid, you know, in every component. I mean, you don't have a record like that, you know, unless you know how to, you know, how to execute. So, yeah, they're a good bet for, for the Super Bowl, in my opinion. Mario Andretti says, book it. The Philadelphia Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. Yep. But, Mario, it's always great to catch up with you. You've been a longtime friend and a longtime supporter of Pit Pass Indy, and we appreciate that. Good luck in 2023. Good luck with Andretti Global's Formula One bid. And thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. My pleasure, Bruce, anytime. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy. We want to thank our guest, Andretti Global CEO Michael Andretti, and his father, racing legend Mario Andretti, for joining us on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin, one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore 500. And to all our listeners, we want to extend our best wishes for a very happy and productive 2023 from all of us at Pit Pass Indy. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin. And final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.